Welcome to Church Online. I'm Cathy. I'm one of the pastors of PVC. So good that you've joined us. Now, over the last month or so, I've really missed being able to meet together. And yet I've really loved hearing the stories of the ways that you are being church from where you are, whether it be the the food hampers and the gifts that are being given to bless others or the phone calls that are being made to to connect in and check in with one another, the texts that are being sent, the cards that are being written. I've loved hearing stories of families that are worshipping or praying together for the very first time. And I've also loved just hearing of those who have jumped online and joined in our online community. So good to have you with us. There are so many good stories of things that God is doing right now. Be sure to jump on our e-news and read some of the open mic stories this week. And if you have a story, we'd love you to send that to us. Through this season, it's really important that we keep connecting with one another. So if you'd like to join a small group, an online group, we'd love you to get in contact with us and we can hook you into one of those. Ladies. One of the ways that we are connecting next Sunday is with a quarantine party from 3 o'clock to 4.30. We would love you to join in with us. And um, today you really need to let us know that you're going to be part of this. So you can jump online and register through our website or through our e-newsletter and um, let us know that you're coming. We'll be in contact through the week with further instructions. We'd love you to join us and we'd love you just to be able to connect with one another who you may not otherwise see through this season. Well, one of the other ways that we're being church together is by worshipping together online. And so today we invite you to centre yourselves once again in our unchanging God. So right now, Set aside any distractions and let's give our attention to the Lord. Valdi, our operations manager of PBC, is going to pray for us. You may not have met Valdi. He's the one who does all of our practical things around the church. We call him our lifesaver, but he's also a man after God's own heart. Thanks, Valdi. Hi, church. Let us pray. Dear Father God who loves us, how wonderful you are. You reign sovereign throughout the universe and we give you all praise and glory and worship you with all of our being. You are El Roy, the God who sees me, and Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. May all the world know you and bless your holy name. Lord, we pray for this world. We ask that you restore it to how it was intended. Equip us with your Holy Spirit and send us as your representatives into the world. And even though we are largely restricted in where we can go and who we can see in this time of fear and frustration, Lord, we pray for the opportunities that each of us have to be salt and light for you. Lord God, use this time to be at work in our lives. Let us spend more time with you. Work your transformation upon us. Show us who you would have us approach, who needs our help, who needs to be shown your love. And let us act on what you show us. Let us shine your love into the world. Let the world come to know us by and through your love. Give us courage and boldness to step out in faith in your name. Lord, in the midst of this global pandemic, we lift our hearts to you. We pray for your mercy and intervention in this plague. We pray for those with the virus, that their symptoms may be light and their recovery swift. We pray for safety for all medical and frontline staff, 
Keep them healthy and give them wisdom as they tend both those with and without the virus. We pray for the doctors and scientists seeking a cure. Protect them and inspire them. Lead them to the answer. We pray for our local and broader community, for our state, our country and this entire planet, that infection rates decrease, mortality rates drop, that suffering is reduced and that the vulnerable are protected. We pray for wisdom for all people when making decisions regarding distancing and isolation. We pray for wisdom for the politicians and decision makers in our country and others whose decisions will affect the lives of so many other people. Lord God, we pray for the people who are finding it tough in this season. Comfort those who are anxious. Let them experience the peace of Christ. Help those whose jobs or incomes have been affected. Let them experience your provision. Touch the hearts of those feeling isolated, that they may know your comfort and feel the presence of God and find ways to meaningfully connect with others remotely. Lord, we pray that we use the additional time that isolation grants us to reflect on you and on ourselves. Thank you for forgiving our sins. Guide us to any unforgiveness in our own hearts that we may hold no record of wrongs of others. Help us to fill our time and our lives with things of you and not be distracted by things that would lead us elsewhere. Protect us from the enemy, Lord, and help us to grow your kingdom. Amen. I also wanted to take this opportunity to speak a blessing over you. Whoever wherever and whenever you're watching this right now, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're a member of PBC or not. Maybe you found this video randomly on YouTube. It doesn't matter. This blessing is for you. I bless you in the name of Jesus. May the love of God enter your heart and let you know peace. May your mind be calm and clear and free of fear. May you be healed of that which afflicts you, whether it be in body, mind or spirit. May you be a blessing to others and to the world bringing happiness and joy and receiving it in return. And finally, may your actions make your little part of the world a better place. Peace be with you.
I see the King has come, the light of the world reaching out for us. There is no other name, there is no other name, Jesus Christ our God, oh, seated on high, the undefeated one, mountains bow down as we lift him up.
Welcome to Parramatta Baptist Church. My name is Steve Bates, and we're continuing today our series on the unchanging nature of our God and how we can place and build our center around him. The constant declaration in scripture and the testimony of many of our lives is that God's goodness and his greatness is unchanging. And therefore, we can trust him to be our center. We can trust him to be the one who we build our life around. The aspect of God's character that I want to speak about today is that we can trust him to be our provider. He provides for us. In fact, he provides for all of creation. Now, something strange happens when I think about God as provider. I have these two Hebrew words that jump into my mind, Jehovah and Jireh or Yahweh, Jireh. Now, this is unusual. Other people could mention God's love or God's faithfulness to me. And Hebrew words don't enter my mind. But whenever somebody talks about the provision of God, these two words are there, Jehovah Jireh. And the only way I can explain it is because of a song from the 1980s. Now, as a teenager, I had left church and I came back a few years later. I was just about to leave school or just had left school. And I realized that they were singing different songs, not so much in church. That was a little bit too radical. Uh, but in the smaller gatherings, they have discovered a thing called scripture in song. It looked like that. And so after church on a Sunday night, uh, me and the other young adults would gather in the basement of the church. We would eat something. And after we'd had our meal, we would sit around singing. And the deal was you would call out the name of a song that was one of your favorites. And one of the favorites that a guy called Phil, I think he called it out every Sunday night. He said, can we sing 184, Jehovah Jireh? And so I know this song well. And every time I think of God as provider, this song comes into my head. Now, do you know the song? Ben? You don't. He seriously doesn't. Does anybody else not know this song? Would you like me to sing it? What's that? Yes, you would. You're enjoying the live music? All right, here we go. Okay, got a scratchy throat, but we'll see how we go. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient for me, for me, for me. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient for me. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches in glory. He gives his angels charge over me. Jehovah Jireh cares for me, for me, for me. Jehovah Jireh cares for me. What do you think? Good song? Teach it to your kids. 
It's not just in that songbook that we sing the declaration that God is our provider. Throughout the Psalms, which is Israel's songbook, there are these declarations of God's goodness and his greatness. In Psalm 65, it says, You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain, for so you have ordained it. Psalm 147 says this of God. He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. Psalm 111 verse 9 says he provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. And so this is the declaration for thousands of years. God's people have been declaring God as provider. That God is the provider for all of his creation, for all of the earth and all who live in it, including us. Not only does he provide that which we need to live, but he also provides our salvation, our redemption. But before we go any further... Uh, Amalia is going to read to us the words where Jesus teaches about God's provision for us. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can only one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yes, I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown in, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So Jesus echoes this declaration that God provides for all of creation. And with this declaration is the call that Jesus makes for us to trust, to trust our heavenly father to provide that which we need. Jesus' call is not a call to complacency. It's not a call of laziness, just to sit back and let God do everything for us. But it's a call to trust Jesus' call is a call for us to center our lives around our Heavenly Father, to seek first his kingdom and to seek his righteousness. And Jesus answers the question, well, why can I trust my Heavenly Father? It's because our Heavenly Father knows what we need. And Jesus here picks up just this understanding of God's knowledge. God not only knows the now and what we need now, but he knows the future and he knows our needs for the future. And we see this uh, so clearly in the story of Abraham and Isaac from Genesis chapter 22. Now in Genesis chapter 22, Abraham and Sarah have one son. His name is Isaac. And the Lord says to Abraham, go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice your son as a burnt offering. And at this point, you should go, whoa, whoa, whoa. No way would God ask that. No way would God ask such an offensive thing of of Abraham. 
It makes no sense to us. And it wouldn't have made any sense to Abraham either because Isaac was the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. Isaac is very much the future of Abraham. It makes no sense to us either because we know that God hates such practices. If we've read the stories from Scripture, we understand that God brought judgment against the nations who offered their children as sacrifices. Uh, And that was part of the judgment against the nation of Israel and Judah as well. But Abraham did not know this. He had such little knowledge of God at this stage, and this is well before there were any Ten Commandments. And so in response to God's request, Abraham doesn't argue, he doesn't plead, but he goes ahead and he makes preparations to do what God asked. As Isaac and his father are walking towards the the region of Moriah, Isaac asks his dad, he says, Dad, we have fire and wood, but where's the lamb to sacrifice? And Abraham replies to his son, he says, Son, God will provide the lamb. As the story goes on, Abraham and Isaac reach the place that God has spoken about. And Abraham binds up Isaac. But God says to him, he says, do not lay a hand on him. And in a thicket nearby was a ram that had been caught there. And so Abraham and Isaac offer the ram as a sacrifice to the Lord. And in Genesis chapter 22, 14, uh, is where this, this phrase, Yahweh Jireh, Jehovah Jireh, comes from. In verse 14, it says, So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. You see, Abraham experiences the God who provides, and he calls that place Yahweh Jireh, the Lord who provides. The Lord will provide. And the sense of this word, will provide, uh, in the Hebrew, uh, is something like the Lord sees to it. The Lord sees into the future and knows the need and provides for it. Now, we understand this concept because in hopefully every time we go shopping, there's a sense of provision. We, we think ahead. We think, what are the meals that are coming up? What do I need to buy to stock our pantry with? What are the things in our household that I need to buy? This is provision, thinking about what is needed in the future. And so we go and buy accordingly. Or when we go on holidays, we do the same thing. What will I need for the place where I'm going? What do I need to pack in my suitcase? What else do I need to take along as provisions? When I was about, it would have been about 13 or 14, uh, me and two of my neighbours, they were brothers, uh, used to go kayaking together. And uh, their father would drop us at the junction of the Colo River and the Hawkesby River and uh, drop us off there and basically say, see you guys, I'll see you in four days' time. And uh, for those four days, we would paddle as far upstream up the Colo as we could, turn around when we needed to to make it back over the four days. But we knew what provisions we needed. Now, we were teenage boys, and so our provisions were pretty simple. We had four lunches to make, and we had three dinners. Uh, The first day, we had sausages, and then every day after that, we just had dried rice meals or we had dried noodle meals. Whatever it was that we just needed to add boiling water to, that's what we ate. But we still understood the concepts of provision. So we know what it means to provide. The difference is that God knows the future. Our God is the Lord who sees the future, including seeing our future. And he's there and he's already provided for it. You see, what did Abraham learn? Abraham learned that God sees what is needed and provides what is needed. 
And that when God asks us to do something, when he calls us to do something, he's already there in the future and he's already provided for it. And this is why Jesus can say in the passage from Matthew, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow because your heavenly father is already there. We can trust God as our provider, not only because in his goodness he provides for us, but we can trust him because in his greatness, he sees and he knows the future. He sees and he knows our future and he has already provided for it. I spoke a few weeks ago about convictions, those things that we hold strongly, not just opinions, not just thoughts, but life convictions, things that we are absolutely convinced are true. And I just want to say this concept that God provides, this characteristic of God that he is our provider is one of those life convictions that I hold. Time after time after time, uh, Kathy and I have experienced and found him to be our provider, even though often he has done so in ways that we could never have guessed at. I just want to make a few reflections on this characteristic of God as our provider. First is this. God's provision calls us to partner with him. When Adam and Eve were provided and placed in the garden, they were there to work in it. Our vocations and our work are an expression of God's provision for us. Knowing God as provider is completely different from seeing him as a dispensing machine. Partnering with him means that at times we become the means by which he will provide for others. Over these past three or four weeks, I've been so encouraged by just the generosity of many people within the life of our church. Uh, they've offered food hampers or they've done gifts, uh, made up gifts or acts of kindness toward people. Um, others have offered monetary support where it's been needed as well. There's just been this willingness to bless those in need. See, God's provision calls us to partner with him. My second reflection is that God's provision calls us still for us to ask for our needs. I love that in the Lord's Prayer, it actually says that we're to pray, give us this day our daily needs. Give us this day our daily bread. See, this is a a prayer of trust. This is an acknowledgement that, that I'm in relationship with my Heavenly Father. I don't just demand of him. I don't just expect of him or take him for granted. But I come before him in prayer. And as a a way of expressing my dependence upon him, I ask that he would provide for my daily bread, my daily needs, those things I need. Third thing I just want to reflect on is that God's provision doesn't always match our plans or what we expect God should do for us. The reality is many of us are self-sufficient in so many ways. In fact, we are so self-sufficient that we may not even feel the need to need God or need his provision until things go wrong. I love the people of Parramatta Baptist Church. Um, I think one of the hardest things of this season is actually not being together and actually not seeing with you, not engaging with you each Sunday. I've been over the years so encouraged and so thankful for so many of you. But there is a moment in the life of Parramatta Baptist that stands out to me. It was a Sunday church meeting, of all things. It happened on the 15th of July, 2012. We were on the cusp of redeveloping this site at Clines Road. And the church meeting was going to approve the plans for that and the finances for that. 
And the week before the church meeting, we received revised quantity surveyor costings, which took the cost of the project from around about $900,000 up to $1.4 million. Ouch. We still met. And at that meeting, we actually talked about what had happened with the costings. We talked about the implications for that extra half a million dollars. We spoke about now the need to borrow $800,000. And then we asked the church meeting just to, to share their thoughts, people to, to, as they had prayed over the previous week, what had they sensed God saying to them? And I just remember being so moved by that meeting. I remember being so encouraged as people shared about their sense that the Lord was calling us to trust him. That in a sense, with the previous costing year, we could just do that without God. It was too easy. It was just a, you know something that we could do in our own strength. But now we were being forced to trust in his provision. Person after person just spoke words of, we need to trust God. We need to step in to his calling for us to be a church and to enable this facility to grow. The minutes show that there were 98 people at that meeting. And it also records that there was only one person who voted against proceeding with the redevelopment. It was such a beautiful moment. I just want to say things didn't go smoothly after that with the development. Within the first six weeks of the redevelopment, we received an additional cost of close to $300,000 to take away the asbestos from this site. But again, time after time after time, we saw God's provision. But it was not how we'd planned for it to go. The fourth thing that I just want to say about God's provision is that God's greatest provision for us is our eternal future. It's not just our needs for today, it's our needs forever. In Romans 5.17, Paul puts it this way about God's provision He says, for if by the trespass of the one man, Adam, death reigns through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through this one man, Jesus Christ? God's greatest provision for us is Jesus Christ himself for our eternal future. If you think back to the story of Abraham and Isaac, it would be fair to ask the question, what kind of God would ask a man to give up his son, his only son? And the answer to that is a God who is prepared to do exactly that for us. Again, from Romans, after Paul has unpacked all of the theology, you come to chapter 8 and he says this, what then shall we say in response to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Our God is Yahweh Jireh, who from the very beginning of creation knew what we needed and planned for what was needed and provided all that was needed so that we might live. And in the life and in the death and in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, 
we most fully and most magnificently see the goodness and the greatness of our unchanging God. Our God who provides. Our God who we can trust to make the very centre of our lives. I just want to pray for us, so would you join me as I do that? Father, we just want to start by thanking you for your goodness, for your love and your grace and your blessing upon our lives. We thank you for the practical things, of food and employment, of clothing, of housing. Father, may we see everything that is given to us, everything that is provided to us as being from your hand and be thankful for it. But above all, Father, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for what he has given to us, his grace, um, his righteousness, undeserved as we are, Lord, given to us, provided to us. And we thank you also for your, your provision of your Holy Spirit, your very presence in us and around us, leading us and guiding us into your future. Father, we thank you also for your greatness, that you know our lives and you know our future. In fact, you've already planned for what we need for the future to which you've called us. Father, we thank you for the way in which your provision is a demonstration of your greatness. And Father, today I just want to pray for those who find themselves in need who desperately have a sense of needing your provision. Uh, Father, whether that's uh, for someone in need of work, um, whether it's other practical things that are lacking at the moment, whether it's those who find themselves isolated and lonely, Father, I pray um, that you would provide for them and that you would raise up people around them who become aware of the need and would partner with you in meeting that need and being providing for them. And Father, we pray that we would seek to be those uh, who provide others, that we would seek to be your provision for the needs of other people. Lord, we just want to say that we trust you and that our desire is to centre our lives around you. And just as I finish this service, I just want to pray this promise and this encouragement from the letter to Colossae over you. Paul writes, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And Father, may we do this for your glory. In Christ's name we pray this. Amen. What a great reminder today that we can centre in our unchanging God who does provide for our needs. PBC family, this is an extraordinary time right now. If you do have a need, please reach out and ask, whether it be for practical assistance, emotional support or prayer. We are here for one another. And you know, one of the ways that God answers his promises is by using us to connect with one another. And so it may be that you are able to bless another but it may also be that you're not quite sure where the needs lie. And if that's the case, contact us and we may be able to point you in the right direction. Well, God bless you and enjoy being the church this week.